you can do it from there. I do have a handrail now. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 111. Psalm 111, if you want to follow along. Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Ready? Go. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has com commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Amen. Thank you, Terry. King's kids, if you are in second grade or under, we have a junior church for you, second grade on down. So you head out that door right there behind that stripy guy. There he goes. All right. We've got a couple already in there. Cool. So we're, in, we're reading Psalm 111, but we're not staying in Psalm 111. I wanted to read that. It's sandwiched in there, some Psalms of David. Um, very likely this is a Psalm from David. We're talking about the fear of the Lord, and long before Solomon comes on the scene... Long before Solomon, we have an understanding that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not all there is, but it's, it's where you should start. It's a necessary starting point. The fear of the Lord is the gate into wisdom. And if you don't get the fear of the Lord right, you will not draw near to God for the right kind of wisdom. Because in this world, you can have a lot of wisdom, and it can go a lot of different ways. You, you can use your wisdom a lot of different ways. You can be really, really wise and still take advantage of people and still harm other people. Or you can use the wisdom that God allows you to have and encourage other people and build up other people, and help other people. What you do with your wisdom is determined by this. Who you fear. So in this ongoing series of learning the right kind of wisdom, and wisdom being the pursuit of God Himself, we need to address the fear of the Lord. Today we are doing that from King David's perspective. 
Now, a proper fear of the Lord, in your, in your notes, a proper fear of the Lord dreads God, but approaches Him by faith for sanctuary. This is a combination of Exodus chapter 20, when Moses tells the people to fear the Lord, stand before the Lord. It's a good thing, and approach Him. And from Isaiah chapter 8, where the prophet Isaiah He's dealing with a lot of people who are fearing other people, fearing other kings, fearing other kingdoms. And in response to that, Isaiah is a little ferocious. He said, if you're going to dread or fear anything, fear the Lord your God. Make him your dread. And then does anybody remember chapter 8, verse 14? And then the Lord becomes your sanctuary. That's amazing. The proper fear and dread of God doesn't keep God distant. It invites us to approach nearer. The proper fear of God should make us want more of God. The wrong fear of God makes us push away from God. That's the contrast from last week. This week we're looking in four different psalms directly attributed to King David. And there are going to be four observations. We're going to observe four things about David's understanding of the fear of the Lord. Now, there are many more than four things we can observe because he mentions the fear of the Lord in many psalms. In different places, the fear of the Lord is attributed to laughter. David said the fear of the Lord makes him rejoice with laughter. The fear of the Lord gives David strength. The fear of the Lord gives David guidance. The fear of the Lord gives David pleasure. The fear of the Lord gives David happiness. Fear, happiness, together. Fear of the Lord becomes David's refuge. Fear of the Lord, David says, is my help. Those are the ones we are not talking about. So if you, I mean, you ain't got, you got to use a pencil, you can erase that. The first psalm we are going to look at, if you'll turn with me, is going to be Psalm 5. Psalm 5, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. Psalm 5, 1 through 8. To the choir master for the flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall, stand, shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I... Through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. 
I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. So the first observation we have this morning is that for David, the fear of the Lord is worship. The fear of the Lord is worship. This psalm is a beautiful progression. Verses 1 and 2, Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. You, you, you sense that David is having a hard day, a hard night, a hard minute. He is groaning. He is crying out for God. He's not, even when he's not having a good day, he's not pushing God away. He is coming hard after God because he knows that's the only place he's going to get relief. And he does it early in the day. Verse 3, in the morning you hear my voice. David doesn't wait till he punches out at 5. David doesn't wait till after dinner, till he's met all of his other needs, till he's taking care of all of his other responsibilities. He's flying to God early. Verses 4, 5, and 6, David understands the holiness of God. God does not delight in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with God. The boastful shall not stand before God. God hates evildoers. He will destroy those, basically, who are against him. David understands God is holy. We need an understanding that God is holy and righteous. But then he turns the corner in verse 7. That righteousness and that holiness of God does not push David away. Even though God is other, David wants that. When you have the right understanding of God's holiness, righteousness, even when you're hurting, you know you need Him. That's the heart of God's children. That's why we call ourselves God's children. Because we see Him as a Father. And when you're hurting, when you're desperate, even though you know your dad is bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you. A child wants their parent. David wants his dad. So what does he do in verse 7? He recounts the abundance of God's love. God has enough for me. I enter into his house, his presence, and I worship. I bow down. In the fear of you. Fear of the Lord in David, it is worship. You will find acceptance. Write that down. You will find acceptance. The proper fear of the Lord will lead you to pursue after God and His presence. And you will be accepted there. The fear of the Lord for David leads to worship. Worship is an act of acceptance. We, un we worship because we know God is listening. He accepts our praise. And we are accepting of His presence. We're acknowledging that He's with us. We're acknowledging that He knows what's coming out of our mouths or out of our hearts or from our actions. Worship is an, an exchange of attention. We're giving God the attention He deserves. And at the same time, 
it fills us and lifts us. Why? Because that's what we were made to do. The proper fear of the Lord is worship. But that's not all. Now turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There's nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. This is a great psalm because in verses 1 through 6, we see David acknowledge the awesomeness of God in creation. Creation declares the glory of God. It shows His handiwork. It shows His all-powerfulness, His divine Godhead, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 1, so that we are all without excuse. There is a good, awesome Almighty God. But David moves in deeper. In verse 7, God has spoken. God has spoken to us through His Word, through the laws, through the testimonies. And David says they are perfect. They revive my soul. They make me wise. They rejoice my heart. They enlighten my eyes. In verse 9, the fear of the Lord to David is clean. That one captured my attention in my Bible reading this year. That's not a word I usually associate with the fear of the Lord. That's why I picked it. That's why it jumps out to me. The fear of the Lord is clean. I get this idea of smooth, shiny, no dirt, no corruption, no rust, will never fade cannot be made any better or any cleaner. It is already spotless. The fear of the Lord is clean. I like that. In Psalm 51, when David realizes he's not clean, in Psalm 51, when David responds to being called out by God through the prophet Nathan, David is guilty of adultery. He's guilty of murdering a woman's husband. 
and he hides it, and he tries to go along like nothing has happened. God reveals something has happened. And God confronts David. And in response, David repents and weeps. And he writes Psalm 51. And David says this in Psalm 51, verse 7. Purge me, O Lord. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop is not a word or a plant that we are familiar with anymore. But the word hyssop and the word washing directly connect David's prayer to what the Israelites did at the Passover in Egypt. You would dip the hyssop, which would be a a plant, and then you would use it to paint the blood of the lamb on your doorposts. That word washing, you had to wash and prepare that lamb as a sacrifice to make it clean before you cooked it and partook. David uses those words, hyssop and washing, directly from that ceremony because what is he saying? He needs to be clean and he needs God to do it. Bathsheba can't forgive him enough to make him clean. Uriah's family, his mom, his parents, they cannot forgive David enough to make him clean. David knows that. His greatest offense is against God. And he pleads with God, I need you to make me clean. His fear of the Lord led him to the Lord, the only God who could make him clean. And David now equates that ability of God to make us clean with the fear of the Lord. You can only be clean if you fear God properly and you go to Him by faith for forgiveness. That's it. That's what Jesus says. There's no other way that we can be forgiven. It's only through Him. And now it's not a lamb's blood. We don't pray for God to to purge us with hyssop and with washings. We go to him in the name of Jesus. He is the lamb of God, slain on our behalf. In the fear of the Lord, it is still clean, and it can make you clean. That's not a New Testament teaching. That's the way it's always been. God alone forgives sins so the fear of the lord is clean write this down you won't stay dirty you won't stay guilty and you don't have to stay anxious he can cleanse you from the big things and the daily things he can cleanse you from your sins against god he can cleanse you from your doubts about tomorrow The fear of the Lord is clean, so it can make you clean. Now turn to Psalm 25. I'm going to read verses 8 through 15. This is our third observation about David's fear of the Lord. And as we're getting a taste, David has a proper fear of the Lord. He is a good case study of a broken human finding their wholeness in God. Psalm 25, verse 8. 
Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. My focus is on verse 14. The fear of the Lord, according to David, is friendship. Friendship. In different translations, that word can be translated in different directions because it's a complicated word. It means far more than just being an acquaintance or a buddy or a pal or a friend. It can be translated as secret, counseling, intimacy. Plans. So insert that there. Instead of saying friendship, we say the secrets of the Lord are for those who fear Him. The intimacy of the Lord is for those who fear Him. The plans of the Lord are for those who fear Him. And the word friendship captures it because um, it's not just an informational exchange or a grace exchange. It's not God just dispensing something to people. David sees the fear of the Lord as a relationship, completely, wholly, of two people getting to know each other. Friendship. And that friendship, that intimacy, God's plans, God's secret, God's desires, God's heart, is only for those who fear Him. What does it take to fear Him? We acknowledge that He's all-powerful God, but we approach Him. We come to Him by faith. By faith, David would go to the temple. He would bring his offerings, he would bring his sacrifices, and that's how he lived out his faith. David has always had faith in God, even before he had plans to build a temple, before he was old enough to go to the, to the priest, before he was the king, before he was anointed, before he slayed Goliath. He had faith. It did grow, but it's his faith in God that made him right with God, not his actions afterwards. Faith first. David sees faith, the fear of the Lord as friendship. Um, and in that, in that psalm, just in that passage, just in that passage, uh, look at verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way so instructions, fear, you look for the instructions. Verse 13, abide in well-being, inherit the land. The, these words, well-being and uh, inheritance, this is, this is sanctuary language. Sanctuary language, which we saw last week in Isaiah, which we saw in Moses. Proper fear of the Lord, and the Lord becomes our shelter. He becomes our sanctuary. 
David is seeing that. David is feeling that. And then in verse 14, friendship. So that progression there of of instruction in verse 12, and then a sense of well-being in verse 13, and then a sense of friendship in verse 14. Are Are you tracking with me? Do you see that progression there? He has to go in verse 12. Who fears the Lord? Well, you have to know His instructions. Then you have to abide in His instructions. And then you, you enter into friendship. Show the next slide. This is the, this is the progress we've been talking about in the wisdom journey. We all start at the bottom. Actually, we all start off the screen. We don't know anything about God till God speaks to us. And then we get to the bottom there, communication. God communicates to us through His Word. He communicates to us through circumstances. He communicates to us through other believers. But it's always going to be in accordance with His Word. If you want to know what God wants to instruct you about, you need to go to His Word. But that's not just what this is for, for you to know what He's thinking and what He wants. We're supposed to use this Word to get to know God so that when we have a need, we don't just ask Him for it, We go to God in prayer. Have you heard that phrase? We don't throw our holy hand grenades to God and say, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with my problems? Here's all. Boom. And we wait for God to handle it all. It's not a one-way exchange, either us to Him or Him to us. Blessings. Prosperity. No. Person. When we press in with a proper fear of the Lord, we are going to, number three here, in prayer and communion and fellowship and devotion, we are looking for God when we pray. We're talking to somebody when we pray. We're learning about somebody when we're praying alone and together. That's the progression that David is going through. Your instructions, good. But then I need to abide with you better. But what is best? The fear of the Lord should lead to intimacy. Understanding of God's particular will for your life. That's friendship. That's union, number two. That's the progression here. And that's what all wisdom does. All wisdom is leading us to know God better not right from wrong better. No, God better. Not the best way to raise my kids, the best way to go to work, the best way to fix this. No, no, no. The wisdom and the fear of God is leading us to God himself. And when you have God, things go better. Because you're leaning on him and he's taking care of business. It's not all your business anymore. It never was, by the way. You're just holding on to it thinking you got to do all these things. No, you don't. You need God. You need His presence. And you get that through instructions. We get that through prayer. And then we can enter into a place of friendship with God. Now, you're never going to get the fullness of God in this life. That only comes when you die, God glorifies you, and you're in His presence. That's, that's what the fullness of God. None of us is going to live a hot minute perfect in this life. Not even a second of perfection. I do not believe in perfection this side of eternity. It only comes later. God will provide that. 
And when you read about the fullness of his presence, you read the book of Revelation, you read the visions of Isaiah and Daniel, God is high and holy and lifted up, and he's not pushing people away. All the visions of heaven show the saints pushing into the throne room of God. That's what God wants. Let let me encourage you. You can get some of that now. The fear of the Lord is the mentality of, I'm going to get as much of God as I can in this life so that when I die, I've already got a leg up on everybody else. I'm already a step closer. I already know the song. I already am captivated by his love. I'm already, I'm already, I'm leaning in, I'm pressing in, and the things of earth will will fade and dim, including my sickness, including my pain, including my loss. Nothing I've surrendered to God is lost forever. The fear of the Lord is friendship. And friendships grow with time spent together. Write that down. Friendships grow with time spent together. Spend time with God. Your Bible reading is not about getting through the Bible. It's about getting to know God. Our Bible reading is not to be focusing on individual characters like David and Saul and Solomon. It's about focusing on God in the lives of those characters. Our Bible reading is not just to be done to check it off. It doesn't make us right. You can read the Bible and then go to work and lie, cheat, and steal. Reading the Bible is not just a moral exercise. It's a personal exchange. Friendship. Spend time with God and see it that way. Fourth observation, our last one. Psalm 118. It sounds like we're far into Psalms, but they go to 150, so there are a lot of chapters in the book of Psalms. My goodness. In Psalm 118, I'm going to start in verse 4. Psalm 118.4 Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. In David we see that the proper fear of the Lord is fearlessness. Fearlessness. Proper fear of the Lord, verse 4, it boasts in the love of the Lord. Those who fear the Lord say, He loves me. And if He loves me, I don't have to fear anything else. Those who fear the Lord, verse 5, will run into trouble. (laughs) David fears the Lord. All the psalmists, they're fearing the Lord, but they run into distress. We're going to have trouble. We fear the Lord anyway. And I really like, 
I really like verse 6. What can mankind, what can humans do to me? What do you mean, what can humans do to you? Humans can tax you. They can take away your stuff. They can fail you in a class and make you repeat. What can humans do to you? They can take away your property. They can take away your rights. They can take away everything you own. Humans can throw you in jail. What? What can I fear? Humans can arrest you, rape you, torment you. Humans can kill your family. Humans can take away everything you love. What do you mean, what do I fear? I fear that. Do you? It doesn't say you have to want those things. But what can a human do to me that's eternal? What can a human do to me that will last forever? What can a human do to me that will change God? Big, fat, zilch. Nada. Nothing. Fear of the Lord prepares our hearts to be fearless in this life to the cares of the world the flesh and the devil can those things hurt us absolutely can they remove our status as God's sons and daughters never never what can man do to me a lot Humans can even crucify you. Did that stop Jesus? Nope. So what can man do to me? Nothing of eternal value. Therefore, I can live out my faith with fearlessness in the face of all my struggles. His so many times in Psalm 118, His steadfast love endures forever. And another place, sorrow may last for a night, but God's joy comes in the morning. The fear of the Lord is fearlessness, so David can say, David can quote the Apostle Paul before he even meets the Apostle Paul. I just have this vision of the Apostle Paul and David standing next to each other in heaven. <laughs> Eric, what is that phrase? I can what? All things through Christ who strengthens me? I can do. I'm going I'm to enhance, supersize that word with fearlessness. I can endure all pain, all suffering, all loss, all torture, all wrongdoing of man, I can endure it all through Christ who strengthens me. That's the heartbeat of Paul, Philippians. You can throw me in jail. You can whip me. You can sink my boat. You can have, you can put all the snakes you want on my arm. Like, come on. What can man do to me that matters? Nothing. What can man do to me that's eternal? Nothing. That's why I fear God. Because God is the one who holds my eternity. 
So those who are afraid, those who are afraid of God the wrong way, push God away. And we end up, if we do that, we will miss God's goodness. But those who properly fear and dread God, like David, are going to want to approach God by faith and experience the goodness and glory of God. Let me phrase it this way in your notes. The fear of the Lord is not about being afraid. The fear of the Lord is not about being afraid, but moving from wholly trembling at God's awesomeness. God is awesome. He is to be feared. But then we tremble at His immense goodness and we want the fear. We want the very thing we feared. That's the paradox that we don't get with our culture. We're, we're taught at a very young age, it's, if, to fear something, run away from it. Fear something, avoid it. Or do all that you can to insulate, isolate, hide from the things that you fear. So they don't happen. We have a very negative connotation to the word fear when David and a lot of the biblical writers have a healthy idea, fear God. It's the only thing that we fear and approach to be a part of. Improper fear, next blank, trembles before an almighty creator and won't get any closer. Is God holy? Yeah. Is God a consuming fire? Absolutely. To Moses, God is thick darkness, unapproachable. Un, un, you can't understand him. Unapproachable darkness. And here's what Moses does. So? And approaches. <laughs> Moses walks into the darkness of God's thunder and clouds on Mount Sinai. You know why? God, you called me. You're the one who made me the leader of these people. <laughs> I'm going to come see what you are going to do. They're not my people. I don't, like, like, he's going to go, I need some, okay. Oh, yeah, you're big, you're scary, but I'm not scared. You're for my good. And that's the key. If you only tremble before him as almighty and holy and powerful, you're going to keep your distance. So here's the switch. We need to fear him and approach him as a gracious redeemer. That's the, that's the other side of this. That God is both. He is our creator, but he's also a gracious redeemer. Holy creator, the demons believe that. And they tremble before God, but they don't obey him. They don't, actually, let me rephrase that. They tremble before God and they obey him. The demons have to do what God says, but they don't love him. That's the switch. We see him as our redeemer, and we want to experience more. So there's our proper fear of God put together in the eyes of David. Last couple blanks. We fear and dread God, and he becomes our sanctuary. Oh, you can write that at the bottom. I didn't have room. We fear and dread God, and he becomes our sanctuary. This is a summary of Isaiah 8, 14. It's a summary of all of David's life. He is at times going to tremble because he has sinned, but he's going to draw near to God anyway. And that's the secret of fearing God properly.
stand with me. As you stand, I want to read a couple more psalms. As the worship team comes, close your eyes and just think about these words of David for a second. David was a man who knew grief. David was a man who knew what it meant to be the smallest in the family, the neglected one in the family. He knew what it meant to be betrayed. He knew what it meant to sin and to be called out. David knew what it meant to struggle. In Psalm 37, 7, with your eyes closed, listen to these words of David. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And in another psalm, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Fear the Lord your God and worship Him as holy. God, we come to You this morning and we ask You to teach us to fear You properly so that we want more of You in all of our lives. Forgive us for fearing the wrong things all the time. For fearing on missing out. Fearing what other people think. And fearing that the things we've already done are going to mess up the future. They'll never mess up you. Be our God. Help us to want more of you. To fear you so much that we come to your word every day, that we pray with you every day. Change our hearts, O God. Be exalted and lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen.
the benediction for today. Craig already read it once, but here it is again. Psalm 4610. Oh, maybe he did. Sorry. Cease striving and know that I'm God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And as we were singing that song, I was just thinking, uh, one of the verses was um, that all his works praise his name. I just, that's my prayer for this week, that all my works, everything I do, would be in honor and praise to him. Amen. You can be dismissed. <laughs>